Now, sometimes when we're on a journey, we get lost, don't we? And we sometimes ask somebody the directions to where we're going, and we still get lost. But if we meet somebody who says, well, I'm going that way, I'll come with you, I'll take you, then that person is the way, and we can't get lost. And that's what Jesus does, as we've already had a very good explanation of what Jesus does. He not only directs us or advises us, but he takes us there and he leads us. So he is the way, as we've heard several times, and it's good to hear that repeated. And that's our message today, number one. That's our message today. Jesus is the way to the Father. Now, we must set the scene. So some have called this the upper room discourse, number two. Now, when you and I come to a time in our life when something huge is going to happen, it may be a new job, it may be some critical exams you've got to take, it may be having a baby, it may be having a serious operation. Um, all these things, and that's all consuming to us, isn't it? We've all been in that situation when something is so critical, that matter, whatever it is, it consumes us. We can't think of anything else. But here in this lovely account is something so different. Here is Jesus, the Son of God. He's about to do something that really would change and did change the whole of the world. Something massive. The greatest act of suffering ever. Yet, if you look at these verses 1 to 14, it's all about his care and his love and what the disciples are to do. And it's a wonderful example of the humility and yet the love and care and compassion of this mighty saviour Jesus. And as we've heard already, that's what he still does. He is unchanging. And so when you and I go to the Lord, he doesn't say to you, well, I'm rather too busy. I'm controlling the world. I'm answering your prayers. I'm receiving my children to heaven. I'm preparing this mansion of heaven. No, he listens to all of you. And what's more, he loves to listen. Isn't that wonderful? So a short comment then on each of these verses as we go through them. And they're praised in the handouts you've got. So in verse 1, here is something absolutely wonderful. Let not your heart be troubled or afraid. The first verse in all chapters of the Bible are really important, but this one, well, we could call it a double negative. Let not, he says. Now, he's saying, I have some really important things to say to you, but before I do, let not. Now, do you see his compassion straight away? Despite his own agony of foreboding that would have been about the Lord, he comforts these disciples. 
Well, you might say, yes, but that was then and this is now. No, he is the same unchanging (coughs) saviour. He is. And his loving instruction to you today and me is don't be troubled, don't be afraid. Number three, please. You ask, well, how can I not have a troubled heart? Now, it's interesting already, I've spoken to some various friends here and they've, they've had some problems, big problems this week. And we have, Margaret and I have had some really big problems this week. And if I was to go round the room, and I won't, saying, have you had any big problems this week? I don't think there'd be anybody that would say, no, I've been fine. No problems at all. Because life is like that. It is, isn't it? And Jesus here, in this first verse, gives you and I the answer. Believe. Now, he says it twice in this verse. We must be very careful, mind, how we use the word God. We can use the word God in a generic, general way, can't we? I met a friend last week in the park uh, that I know, and we, we have chats, and he said, oh, yes, I believe in God. Fine. But then when we sort of got on to, yes, but what about the saving work of the Lord Jesus Christ? Oh, well, I don't know about that. But I I just believe in God. And it's critical, isn't it, what Jesus is saying here. We must believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. It's no good just saying, yes, in a general way, yes, well, I believe in God. He is there and I believe in him. And that's as far as it goes. No, we need to have a saving belief in the wonderful work and merits of the Lord Jesus Christ. And verse 2 then, in your hand, Jesus explains and gives about the promises that are in heaven, the home there is, the beauty of it. He says, my father's house, and it's your house as well. Not a tent as the people of Israel had, and not a tent that we have in one sense here. This is not our permanent home, and you could class it as a tent. But no, Jesus says, In my Father's house are many mansions, palaces. Isn't that wonderful? And it's a home for you and me. And verse 3 is so very wonderful. Jesus repeats these wonderful promises in in these 14 verses and he says it's you I go to prepare a place for you where I am it's so very personal this isn't it to prepare everything just like a wedding a wedding feast that there will be and verse 4 Jesus says you know the way because I've taught you Although the disciples, they'd much to learn clearly from the questions here that they're asking. Because in verse 5, Thomas almost contradicts Jesus. Well, Jesus, but, but we don't know the way. Now, perhaps he thought, as some of the disciples thought perhaps, that Jesus, even now, would set up a kingdom on earth to deal with what we might call these pesky Romans 
and establish once and for all a wonderful kingdom of Israel. They shouldn't have thought that because Jesus had taught them all the way through what he was about. But they didn't all obviously understand everything. And then in verse 6, Jesus could have really scolded Thomas for almost contradicting Jesus. But you see, in all his wonderful authority, yet his gentleness, Jesus states one of these famous seven, and the seven of them, I am sayings. I, I, we've already had it, but it's good to have it again. I am the way, the truth and the life, said Jesus. And this is very relevant to you and I today, especially in this what we call multicultural society. It's most important. We must be aware in our day that this fact is disputed. It is. And we need much care and wisdom and grace how we present this truth. And especially when we're talking outside, uh, perhaps we're doing uh, various missionary works or works outside the church we've got to be so very careful yet faithful to say there is only one way to God and that is through the Lord Jesus Christ so Jesus said I am the way and the road or the path that he gives us it leads away from sin and it leads to heaven Jesus didn't hand out maps or say, go to Google. No, he just said, follow me. And that still stands, doesn't it? Let me ask all of you here and ask myself, do you and I just follow this great person, the Lord Jesus Christ? Or will you? He does call you through the Bible to follow him. We were looking last month at Peter. Peter was called at the very beginning to follow Jesus and at the very end he was, Jesus just said to, G, to Peter, follow me. And he says the same to you and I today. I am the truth, says Jesus. God's promise and it's unfailing. I am the life. It's the only way to the Father. So there's three things for a troubled heart then. Because he is the way, you can't get lost. I can't get lost if I follow him because he is the way. Then because he is the truth. So he removes our need to search for other truths because he is the truth. And then he is the life. The life. And so... That life we will have in heaven. We have a home in heaven. So this is a lovely, isn't it, I am sign. I hope it helps and it comforts you. It does me. Now verse 7. Jesus so patiently explains that if we know Jesus, then we know the Father. This can be a sticking point. Because the three-in-one God is quite difficult to explain. And verses 8, 9, 10 and 11, Philip asks a question, which 
He surely knew, or did he? I don't know. Jesus explains the Trinity, the three-in-one God. And he's saying, if we know one, then we know all. But it is a mystery, yes. And we gave an example, if you look up on the screen, about water, ice and steam. It's just one example. There's lots that we could quote, but water is one substance. But water, ice and steam, they do have different uses. Can you see that? It's quite helpful to look at that example. It's one substance, but it can appear in three forms, and those three forms have different uses. Verse 12. Jesus then moves on to brief the disciples on what is ahead. And this applies perhaps to you and I as well. He, Jesus says, he will do even greater things than these, it says. Now, what does that really mean? Well, it appears that it means, you see, Jesus had performed these mighty miracles on earth. You might say the greatest, perhaps, was raising the dead, like Lazarus. Well, what a mighty miracle that was. Surely there's nothing greater. Well, Jesus is saying is actually saying that there are greater things or would be when the Holy Spirit would be given some time later at Pentecost because then these disciples would carry this wonderful gospel right through the world, starting at Jerusalem. And that work is still going on, isn't it? That brief that they were given, it still goes on. And that's where you and I come in as well. We're part of that great commission to take the gospel. It's a great privilege, isn't it, to do that? And we here at Oakwood are part of that. We're just a small cog, but it's a vital cog. And it is our mission and work to, to spread this good news of the kingdom of God. And we've all... All of us have got a small part to play in that. Now in verse 13 then, again, this is a lovely promise and it's said twice by Jesus. I will do whatever you ask in my name. There's two little words here, but they're great words. I will. When God gives you or I an I will, then that's a great promise and be sure it will be done. Anything you ask in his name, that's the secret, he will do. What a promise that is, isn't it? And so can you see how mighty the power of prayer really is? How so vital it is, all of us, to be on praying ground always? Do you see the importance of prayer? However feeble or poor we might feel our prayers to be, God hears them and they're vital. And there's an old couplet we used to sing, Satan trembles when he sees the weakest saint upon his knees. Now verse 14 then, 
Jesus says this again. Ask anything. See the emphasis here. In the whole passage we've been reading, Jesus is repeating himself purposely with these various promises and these various assurances. So Jesus sits down with the disciples quietly and calmly and explains what is to happen. Now we've the benefit of hindsight and so we know what was to happen. But we don't know what our futures are, do we? We don't know that. And so our Lord today, he says to you and I today, don't be afraid. His assurance, his assurances, they're the same. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, after the service, go home and just wonder with awe, really, at the outcome of this account. You know, wherever Jesus went, he did unexpected things, didn't he? And at the end of this story, many people, many wanted Jesus killed and they got their wish. He was killed. But, a huge but here, Jesus rose from the dead. Hallelujah. So in your life then, as we end, do expect the unexpected. God will do and he is doing great things. Let's say this together again, because it bears, it bears us saying this wonderful I am saying. Say it with me. I am the way, the truth, and the life. The Lord bless us all this morning. Amen. And thank you for your listening.